ever wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. What do you feel are the most helpful ways to prepare for childbirth? How is your partner involved in preparing? And how are you preparing for postpartum healing, parenting, and to enhance your relationship? My guest today not only has some beautiful ecstatic birth stories to share, she will share how she used laughter as a great tool for birth, as well as she has some important tips for you from her experience about love, connection, and relationships that are so important. Birth is an opportunity to expand and deepen your connection to your body, your baby, and your partner. But too often, without preparation, people experience the opposite and miss the magic that birth offers. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. I am so honored today that Lindsay Marie is here with us. She's a founder of Exquisite Motherhood. She's a mother, a writer, a teacher, and a leader in human evolutionary potential. Lindsay specializes in integrative therapeutics and premier lifestyle coaching for women of all ages and backgrounds. Her unique blend of training in psychology, neuroscience, health and fitness, Eastern healing modalities and various artistic expressions allows her to empower and support others into vibrant and deeply satisfying lives and parenthoods. Over the last two decades, Lindsay has also birthed three children with her husband, run several private practices, co-found Imua Conservation Organization, an environmental nonprofit, and created a variety of international resource destinations dedicated to helping women realize their most exquisitely loving pregnancy, childbirth, and womanhood. So Lindsay, oh my goodness, we've talked a little bit before because I've read a little bit about your birth, but I am so honored to have you here today to share, and I know you're going to inspire many. Thank you so much. It's my honor. Truly, I feel just super blessed to be talking with you right now. Thank you for this opportunity. And I'm excited to get to know your community better. One of the things that I really was touched when I read some of your information and your birth story was how you prepared for birth. And like I said, starting out, that's an important part of the journey that sometimes people don't realize what a difference preparation makes. Can you share a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, my preparation stems back even preconception, as I know a lot of wise women are considering these days and and always have. Um, But I think the biggest, most important piece for me was the call, the return to nature. Um, I just felt like I wanted to be with mama earth i wanted to be learning the lessons of nature i wanted to be 
really understanding the power of creation and just how the perfection of it just ensues at every single moment of the day, all day long, there are millions of little, tiny and big, bigger creatures giving birth. And I wanted to learn from them. I wanted to just be in that that resonant field with nature. And I also knew that I needed to learn about my mind if I wanted to have an enjoyable birthing experience, which I did. I felt very committed to really prioritizing my most fulfilling birth. And so from preconception and every single day along my pregnant journey, I would wake up in the morning and I would ask myself, what do I need to do today? What do I need to think today? What do I need to eat today? What do I need to shift today in order to have my most fulfilling pregnancy and childbirthing experience? And so it was really a very devotional time of just surrendering everything that I thought was more important, which nothing at the time was, and just prioritizing and recognizing that every single second was so valuable and that every thought I was thinking was forming my baby and every choice I was making was forming their world. And so I really uh, took it very seriously And I was in a position where I was able to really allow nature to be my mirror and teach me about myself, about reality and about my mind. And because of that, I felt when the actual labor began, I was just so prepared. I was so confident. I just felt like I had it. And it was just a process of being able to just let it happen and let it unfold and trust all the the work that I had done prior to for the almost a year leading up to the actual birth and just enjoy the journey, which I did. Wow, I love hearing that because your intentionality around it and just how you said like what how you were preparing would impact your baby and your process and your birth. That's so beautiful and so true. So can you take us through, and I know you have three births, but maybe a little bit of each of them, because first births are always that one to enter it with such calm and confidence is unique and an incredible gift. So what was that like as you started that journey through labor and birth? Yeah, thank you for asking. All three of my birds were just stunning. I lived a very unconventional lifestyle in certain regards because my husband and I had retreated into the rainforest of Hawaii. And so we had our own land for all three of my birds and we were growing our own food and we were able to really have this deep connection with the actual nourishment that was being provided physically from the land and also spiritually. And like I said, the understanding of the mind is just something that it's just been the common thread through all three of my pregnancies. If there's one thing that that I could really say that I learned, it was the importance of really prioritizing how our mind works and how we can allow it to be our best friend rather than our greatest enemy. And so that was just such a commitment that I had for all of the pregnancies and all of the birds. 
And it enabled me to really just have trust in the process and trust in my female body, which has been designed to do this. And then to also listen to my intuition and to, to hear the impulses I have about what felt right for me. And so what did feel right for me, which I know is not everyone's path, is to birth alone with my husband. And so we did that for all three of our births. And we also had our children at the, the following births when they felt they wanted to be a part of it. So it was a very special family event and family experience when they were able to join. For the first one, I would say that I was just pushing up against so many just very deep cultural beliefs around what pregnancy is, what birth, is it safe? Am I going to die? Is the baby going to die? There's so many fears and so many concerns and I just didn't know where to start. And I prayed and it just kept coming back to my mind and just coming back to what is this fear? Learn about this sensation, learn about this emotion. What is it? If it's not going to be afraid about this topic, then what's the next topic and the next it's going to be afraid about? And so I learned so much about how to be with fear and how to open and expand my capacity to hold certain intense emotions. And I would say for my first birth, my priority was acceptance. I was just wanting to have a safe and healthy birth, which I knew that I would because I felt the safest the way that I was doing it, which to others it might feel the least safe, but to me it felt the most safe. And so I knew I was doing the right thing and I knew it was going to be okay. And I was prioritizing just being okay with whatever I was feeling. There was a lot of intensity. I would not call it a pain-free birth, but it was completely blissful. And it was completely just the most stunning experience I had in my life. And it it really was the initiation, obviously, from maidenhood into motherhood. And I felt changed from that moment forward. I just felt a strength, a ferocity, and almost like I became a mother for just all of the beings on the planet, all of the creatures, all of humanity. It was almost as if I started seeing even full-grown men and women walking around just as children, as my children. There was such a love and compassion that was extending to, to all of life. And, and I, I think this is something that all mothers and women tap into once they give birth and open to that degree. And so it, it was a beautiful experience. And I was happy that it went incredibly well and relatively useful as far as birth goes when you're coming at it from a certain perspective of so much fear and so much constriction and also just the experimentation factor of, of you know we don't really know there's a lot of unknowns and and I was okay with that and I was very trusting through that for my second birth I really prioritized wanting an ecstatic birth for the first few months I was phrasing it that way. I want to have an ecstatic birth. I was praying about it. I was meditating every day. I was doing some, you know, belief work and lots of journaling and art therapy and all kinds of stuff just to get myself in a space where I felt like I could create an ecstatic birth. And as the pregnancy went on, I realized I didn't want to just have an ecstatic birth. I wanted to have my most fulfilling birth. And so I knew that that would be more what I was wanting. I wanted it to be healing if it needed to be healing. I wanted it to be what 
what it needed to be in order for me to step into my most fulfilling life. And I would say that's what it was. I I literally, uh, in the middle of the labor, was just kept hearing this voice that just kept saying, let it happen, let it happen, let it happen. And in the middle of the pregnancy, even reflected on someone who's in your documentary, Sarah Buckley, who I've been in contact with recently. I love her work. And I had read her nature's, the hormonal blueprint for childbirth. And I had remembered, wow, yeah, my body knows what it's doing. I just need to step out of the way and just let this happen. And I was just being reinforced and, and, and told this over and over again by who knows what, my inner guidance, um, something. I, I felt so supported and so held just to let go completely. And the result of that was an essentially pain-free labor. I, I literally was walking back and forth, carrying these pots of water that we were heating up on our fire that we had outside into this big bamboo bathtub that my husband and I had made and it was underneath a big bamboo tree and it was just such a divine setting with the moon out and then hearing let it happen and then I literally giggled my baby out she just she giggled out of me <laughs> and she was still in her amniotic sac it was an in her she was Right when I saw her come into the water, it burst and it was life-changing. It, what it really showed me was how much power we have as women to really be able to almost utilize our births as a opportunity to create art. And I think that's something that if there's any message that I'd like to really enhance in this world is let's bring back the art of giving birth. This doesn't have to be this stale thing that we do anywhere, whether it's in an establishment that we feel comfortable in or in our own home. It can be a gorgeous, beautiful representation of our deepest intents and our deepest desires and our deepest gifts and our deepest creative expressions. And I feel that is such a beautiful thing. And that leads me into my third birth, which I started to play around with that a little bit more. I was in the midst, I don't know if Emily Saldia, she's the founder of uh, the Free Birth Society, but she had just been in the beginning of her formation of the Free Birth Society. And she also was a, a dear sister of mine. And she had moved to the island that I was living on when she was pregnant. And we were doing some group circles together in this really beautiful space where she would just ask all of the pregnant women to tune into their most ideal birth. And I was pregnant at the time as well. And I would go into every single detail down to the time of day, the type of weather, because I knew I wanted to birth outside again, um, to, you know, how I wanted it to be. And Although I know there were certain women that were in those circles that didn't have their perfect scenario, I was able to. And this was another really eye-opening experience. I had another incredible birth. My main word for that birth was easeful. It was a very gradual, easeful, beautiful birth outside, perfect weather. She was also born in her amniotic sac and call and similarly into water. and after both of those 
birds, the the last two that I had, I really have just been fascinated with the fact that I feel cellularly now that I do have say over how my pregnancy and my childbirth goes. And I can't say what other women's experiences. I can't say that this is the case for all women, although I hope it is. And I hope that it's something that all women can feel empowered to really listen to their guidance and to be able to create their most ideal person, not just dream about it, but really create it. It's an exploration for me still. There's wonderings of what happened. Why didn't some of the women have their ideal? And why did some of us have this? And what I think and what I feel very, very strongly about is that it all comes back to the mind and our relationship to it and our tolerance for thoughts and our ability to really feel like we are the master of our mind or at least we are co-creating in a way that feels like we're uh, really thriving. Wow, Lindsay, so beautiful to hear your journey and with each birth, how you went deeper. And I love your summary of how much your mind. And I also have to say birth is art, that creative energy, right? I like to think about when you're pregnant, you're creating life. That's the most creative you could ever be. And to really dive into that creative energy and hold it so beautifully and fully as you expressed to laugh your baby into the world, to really create an experience that is incredible, right? Like I think for everybody listening, we're all like tingling going, wow, we can feel it and see it as you're talking. And, you know, it reminds me too, like as a doula and educator, we often talk about so many people today are, as you said, in their head, in their fear, right? And that's what manifests, right? What you think about, you create, and what you resist persists when people are trying to avoid something, but that's their focus. And we also say you can't have two heads in the pelvis at one time. You have to get your own out. That's a Gail Tully from Spinning Baby quote that I love, that we can't think our way through birth. We feel our way through birth, right? And by setting those intentions, you did so beautifully. So I'd love to hear more like you've learned so much in this process. And I know that you're guiding other people in this. There are probably many people listening that are pregnant or doulas and midwives that are saying, okay, how can I guide people to set those intentions? What are some of your tips, how people can, as you began that journey of intentionally really preparing for birth? Yeah, perfect. I'd love to go into that more. I would say that I feel developing our relationship with life, with God, with nature, with the goddess, with source, with essence, with whatever you want to call it, just to pick, even if it's your inner guidance, some greater feeling that you can sense inside of you to really develop a relationship, a living, alive relationship with that first and foremost feels of utmost importance because I think the reason sometimes that people say, oh, I've tried affirmations or I don't pray or I, what intention, whatever, 
<laughs> I think they say that because there might be a diminished connection between this alive presence that just is urging us to develop and deepen in our relationship with it from the moment that we're born. And so that would be step one, would be just to do everything that you can to really nurture that relationship and also open to trusting that connection. Because I know that everyone listening here and everyone on the planet has had trauma and has had pain and heartbreak. And it brings tears to my eyes even talking about it. And that some people have experienced incredible trauma and other people have experienced not really that big of traumas, but it has felt like incredible traumas because of their degree of sensitivity. Everybody's situation, no matter how big or small, the heartbreak can be just as deep. And so the process of reestablishing our connection with the divine or with God or with life or with nature or even with ourselves is to obviously be able to feel and accept and go into and be ready to blossom through the pain and the heartbreak that we've been in and to realize that it's going to give us what we're fundamentally wanting, which is to really contribute to our human family and to really contribute to life on this planet. And especially if we're a mother, to really contribute to our children. And so when we really prioritize the generations to come and the, the legacy of this planet that we're leaving behind to them, we, we have reason more than just our own self-interest to want to heal. And so the process of that healing is, of course, reconnecting with that greater support that just wants to give to us and that's always available to us and always just pouring love into us and trying to, even if we're saying, no, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, no, this, I don't deserve this, or no, I've done too much wrong, or whatever it may be. So once that relationship is established, then we know that it's just a clear circuit. And whatever we ask for, whatever we intend, we are given the clear instructions to follow the steps to be able to achieve whatever it is. And the intention setting sometimes for me at the beginning looked like just asking life, what intention should I be setting to be of greatest service to humanity? I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to set intentions. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask for. I don't know what's best for the world. So I would just state a really broad intention, something like, what do I need to think today in order to contribute to positivity on this planet today? What do I need to eat today to, to feel my best and to be able to give the most happiness to everyone that I come across? What do I need to change in my belief system so that I can really be welcoming in new and really be enjoying my life to the fullest um, in a space of gratitude? Oh, so beautiful. I'm like so touched and just breathing in all of that because I think you answered what many listeners were thinking about. What if I'm not good at this? And I really appreciate that you honor the traumas, the pain, the healing that everyone needs to do and how that's such a beautiful part of the journey, right? To birth 
is to be able to call in those intentions for the greater good, as well as for each person's own healing and contributing. So beautiful. And I hope for everyone here, your words are something they can play back and listen to, to inspire them each day to create whatever that practice is for them. But I know they don't have to do it on their own because you also offer many offerings. And for people that would like to be in touch with you, Lindsay, can you share a little bit of where people can reach you and maybe some of the things that you're offering that they could connect with you on? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Fundamentally, I have recently created with my husband, exquisitemotherhood.com, which is a website. It's a, it's more than a website. It's really meant to be a sanctuary and a global online sanctuary space for women to come to really feel safe to learn about themselves. And so there are core teachings that I share in every single offering that is through exquisite motherhood that address the body, the mind, and the spirit. And we have everything from monthly women's gathering calls to free ebook to actual virtual global retreat events and also personalized one-on-one offerings, which are a treat to get to do with women when they want to have a more intimate one-on-one connection. So I've also been partnering recently with the Sophia Institute, which is an institution in South Carolina, and they are an incredible nonprofit who have hosted some incredible individuals, such as even Marion Williamson, who's currently running for president, Dr. Shafali, a, a lot of really incredible people. And I'm currently working on a motherhood series, which we just did an intro call for last week. And I have a free intro call that I would love to offer all of your community who's here today, if they want to hear a little bit more, it's with myself and with two other incredibly powerful mothers who are doing really wonderful work in the world. And we'll have an additional series coming up in October, which is a three-part series where each of us will be doing a private session for a two-hour long period. So it'll be like six hours in total for a really reasonable price. And it's uh, a very fun new experience to be working with other women of such different lifestyles, but to, to come together holding this similar thread of wisdom is, is quite phenomenal. Everything that I just shared, you can find on my Instagram account. That's probably the best way um, to look, including the free replay. I'll be advertising that over the next few days. So all you need to do is just go to my stories and click on a button to watch the the replay for the intro for the next call that's coming with the Sophia Institute next month. Um, but it also has links to websites and free eBooks and all kinds of stuff. Um, I even do a little bit of music on the side. So I have a, a recent music video that I just created on motherhood and environmentalism and climate change. And uh, it's that quite a fun passion to share with you all also. So the Instagram account is exquisite motherhood with no space in between. And I look so forward to connecting with everyone who is drawn to orgasmic birth or to Deborah. I I just, it's an honor. It's incredible to know that you're there and you believe that this is a possibility and a reality, no matter how 
many people say it's not or it could never be. And I'm just so ready to make this the norm, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> it's the norm and I'm ready for it to, to really spread in that way. And we need to do this together, right? It truly takes the village, the community. And I thank you so much, Lindsay. I know for everyone listening, what a great opportunity to connect with you on Instagram, to take advantage of both your free and hopefully go beyond into really working with you so you can help them um, prepare for birth and parenthood in all these very special and important ways. Well, I thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's truly been a pleasure. And I thank everyone who's joined us and listening. We always love to hear from you. What were some of the things that you're taking away? Please tag Exquisite Motherhood on Instagram and tag us on Orgasmic Birth. We always love your thoughts and feedback. And wherever you are, we wish you a lot of pleasure and connection. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode or here having you follow us on the next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. And we always appreciate you liking and rating us. It really makes a difference. We read your comments and take them to heart. So wishing you all a pleasurable day. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Mm-hmm.